This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. It's good to have you here today as we're getting started. Um, we're in the second week of a series called Umbrella. And last week, I, I, I first introduced you to what I like to call the umbrella principle. And it's really this, that we, if we're going to get over the things that God has put under us, and we really kind of need to begin with that understanding that God designed you to live a life that is victorious. There are some of you that you have struggled in the same areas for many, many years. And some of you are even starting to surrender to the, this may be something that I carry on with me for the rest of my life. I want you to understand that there are many things that God has already put under you. But to get over the things that God has put under us, we must get under the things that God has put over us. All right? We must get under those things. And last week, as I began to kind of open this up for us, I I talked about the umbrella that God installed in life to be over us is authority. And ultimately, throughout life, it is God's authority that is to be the umbrella that shelters us. But the truth is, is that God uses people to also have authority over us. And if we're going to really live in victory, we must, to get over those things, we must get under the things that God has put over us. There's a passage of Scripture that I really want to start out looking at today that comes out of 1 Corinthians 15, where we see as the Bible talks about Jesus, we see this principle begin to be displayed for us. As you look into this, you're going to read throughout the scriptures and go, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Because this, uh, this is something that's throughout the Bible. This principle for us to get over the things that God has put under us, we must get under the things that God has put over us. This is so powerful. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 25 through 27. Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies, look where? Beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say that God has put all things under his feet. See, as the Bible talks about Jesus, the Bible opens up in that passage by describing that Jesus has, that God put everything, all the enemies that we could ever face were put under the feet of Jesus. Jesus reigned over them. And I don't know if you see it, but I see it in my own life, my own heart, that we have enemies. Do you know that? Do you know that you have enemies? Some of the enemies that you face are not people, right? We've talked about this. It's not a person. It's darkness. And some of it's addictions that we fought. Some of it's tendencies that we have. Some of it's our own personal culture. But we all have enemies. And the Bible says that Jesus, through him, we have victory. As a matter of fact, I want you to see this because this is something that we need just to be reminded of. First John, first, first John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For every child of God, look at every child of God defeats this evil world. And some of y'all need that today because you're in a struggle, you're in a battle, and you need to be reminded 
that as a child of God, the end result of this is that we will defeat our enemies. And we achieve this victory through our faith. Through our faith. Not through our efforts, not through our own goodness, not through our perfection. We achieve this victory through our faith. So who can win this battle against this world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, as the Bible describes our relationship with Jesus, the Bible tells us that not only did Jesus die our death, but Jesus rose to victory over death in a way that allows us, through him, to also obtain that victory. So the greatest enemy that we all have is death. It's going to come one day. And as the world looks at a dying man, a lot of times what we see is we see defeat. But what I want you to understand today is that that is not defeat. As a matter of fact, in death, Jesus leverages for us victory. So look at how this continues in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 28 where it says, when all things are put under his authority, the Son will then, look at the attitude of Jesus. All things are under his authority. He has everything. He has all of the enemies that would face us. He has defeated them. What does he do? When all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave the Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything and everywhere. Think about this with me. Jesus' attitude is that God, the Father has given me authority over all things. He's given me victory over all things. So instead of trying to create my own kingdom, instead of trying to create my own name, the attitude of Jesus is that he goes directly to the Father and says, Father, I'm under you. Which is why he would say things like, if you see me, you've seen the Father. I, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. See, Jesus got under what was over him so that he could get over what was under him. And last week we started to talk about how we do that, but today we're going to spend really most of the time of what does it mean to get under? What does it mean to get under authority? We're going to go back to a verse I used last week out of the very beginning of the 13th chapter of Romans. Look at this. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Everyone. Do you realize there's no out there? That means everyone. Every single one. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority, look at this, comes from God. And the positions and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling really against what God has instituted. So they will be punished. Now, we don't like that word submission, do we? We don't like that. As a, as a culture, as a people, we don't like the word submission because we look at submission and we actually, I think we see it as being weak. I think we see submission as being someone who is submissive to their, a wife who is submissive to her husband or an employee that is submissive to their boss. We look at them and not only do we see them as, as weak, but we see them as in some degree enslaved to the person that they have submitted themselves to. But I really want to dismantle that word for you today. And I want you to see that within the context of that word, it's an absolutely freeing idea that God has placed in this life to guide us from moment to moment. 
So let's look at that word for just a moment. The, the Greek word that's in this passage in Romans 13 that is described and translated to submit is the Greek word um, hupotasso. That word is also the word that is used in 1 Corinthians 15, the passage that we just read when it says that Jesus submitted himself and to God's authority. It's the same word. It's also the exact same Greek word that appears in Ephesians 5 when the Bible says that wives must submit themselves to their husbands. It's a, actually, its origins are, it's a military term. All right, so it, it came as the, the military was growing and growing. This word to submit became uh, actually in the origins of its language described how troops would be broken up and authority or leaders would be placed over them so that as the troop number grew, there was adequate leadership in place to guide all of them to accomplish the same mission. But before long, like many good words, it became used in common language. And the common definition would look like this. A voluntary attitude of giving in. Isn't that a good thing? A voluntary attitude of giving in. Cooperating. And I'm going to come back to these two later. Assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. Let's just think about that word in its English context. Submission. Now, I used to teach uh, language arts, and I love word parts and trying to understand words by their word parts. The prefix of that word is the prefix sub, which means to get below or underneath. And it's attached to a word that we use a lot in church, mission, where really it means to be given an assignment and to be on an important assignment. So think about what submission really means. It means to get under a mission to get under a mission see i think that some of us today need to recognize that you are right now whether you know it or not you are on a mission there's a mission that you've adopted it's become your life and because of that mission you are living every day with that purpose and so what i'd like to do is to take the next few moments and talk about the missions that we're on because some of those are hijacking right now the life that God wants you to live. So the first thing, and this is in your notes today, the first mission that we're on is what I like to call the American dream. The American dream. The American dream. Man, I tell you what, when we get around election time every four years, we hear a lot about the American dream, don't we? We hear a lot about it. This term actually didn't originate until the early 20th century, until about 1931. And if I were going to describe what this mission looks like, I would say that this is the mission, that the mission is focused on the acquisition of more and better stuff. This mission, the mission of the American dream, is solely focused on the acquisition of more and better stuff. There are some of you right now that you absolutely go to work every single day because you want to provide a better home and cars and all of that, the stuff for your family. That's why you go to work. This is what every day is driven. It is driven by stuff. See, in 1931... A guy by the name of James Adams wrote a book called The Epic of America, reflecting over the last 40 years in the mass immigration from Asia and Europe into the United States. 
And he said, you know, it's the first time the term the American dream ever appeared in public. And he said that the American dream was this idea that people had internationally, that if they came to America, that whatever their potential was, they could fully become that person. Because there was no social construct to keep them down. But in a caveat, as he was describing the American dream, he said this, you can never underestimate what the lure of material wealth meant to the development of the American dream. Having just come off the conquest of the West where men who had nothing gained thousands of acres and the California gold rush where people went from broke and poor to millionaires overnight. That the lure of the American dream was very connected to the lure of acquiring material wealth. And see, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. The problem comes when the stuff has you. And that's what you live for. And see, all of these missions that are not the mission that God wants for us to be on, they're essentially trying to tempt you and hijack your life and get you off the course that God wants you to be on. We see this happen in Matthew chapter 4 where the Bible describes a temptation that Jesus faced. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. Y'all ever fasted before? Y'all ever had to fast for like a surgery or something? Right? You get like 12 hours into it, you just want to slap somebody, right? You're so hungry, so tired. I, I just need food. I need food. Imagine 40 days of it. I mean, he was Jesus, but he was also fully man. And so as Jesus is 40 days into this fast, the devil shows up to tempt him. You know what the first thing the devil tempts him with is? Jesus, look over here. You see these rocks? I know how powerful you are. I don't think everybody else does, but I do. If you'll speak to these rocks, they'll become bread. And you'll show everybody how powerful you are. And then I'll give them to them. You can eat and you won't be hungry anymore. That first temptation was for stuff. Stuff that he may have in that moment in his flesh thought he needed when he didn't need it. And that's one of the first temptations we face. The temptation for more and better stuff. The second mission that some of us are on is the temptation to build our own personal kingdom. To build our own personal kingdom. This, I would describe this mission in this way, that this mission is to gain more influence, more recognition, and more power. These are the people who have no moral compass in their jobs. They just want to get to the next level of authority. They want to climb the ladder. They want to be successful. And if it means sacrificing a friendship, if it means doing something that's a little morally ambiguous, they'll do it because they want to climb to the next level. These are our friends that you hate it when you see their Facebook posts come up. Because their life always looks so perfect. It's like, how? How do you all, your kids never have like any kind of stain on their shirts. Like you had a Mexican restaurant and all your kids are clean. Mine have queso in their hair in the back of their head. How? How is your life so perfect? I do not understand this. And we all know that there are people who really only want to impress you with their strengths. 
See, we want to garner and climb that ladder. We want to build a personal kingdom where we have influence and power over the people that are in our lives. And see, this is, if you read even more in Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus is being tempted, this is where the next two temptations come at him from. The devil takes Jesus to a very high place and says, Jesus, if you'll jump off of this thing, the Bible says that God will give his angels charge over you and you will not strike your foot against a rock. Why don't you do that? Show everybody. In other words, why don't you hijack the principles of the kingdom and use them for your own good? Jesus says, no, I ain't going to do that. And then, in this really significant moment, the devil says to Jesus, see everything that you see. Everything that you see. And I don't know if y'all know this, but Jesus see everything. All right? Everything that you see, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. Think about that. The mission that he was on was to come and redeem the world. The devil said, I'll give you this world if you'll worship me. But Jesus knew there's a subtle difference between what you want me to do and what my father sent me to do. Because my father sent me to redeem them by my blood. Not to bow to you so that they could be free. It's not about my kingdom. It's about his kingdom. And some of y'all, Some of y'all don't realize how you've bought into your own personal kingdom because your life has been successful. But don't don't get confused. Success can get us off mission as quickly as failure. I think there are many of us, many, many of us who need to be more afraid of being successful at something that God doesn't want us to do. Because it's all too often, all too easy to try to build our own personal kingdom. And the fourth, the third mission here, which is the mission that I believe God wants us to be on, is the building of the kingdom of God. The building of the kingdom of God. Not our own personal kingdom. It's not that stuff is bad, but God wants the stuff in our life to be used to build the kingdom of God. God wants us to be about that. You see, this mission leverages all that we have to see more people come to know Jesus. Everything, God, nothing's off the table. Everything and nothing less, I give it to you, God. Everything. And there are some of you that you don't get this, and I'm praying that in this moment you do. That submission always puts you on God's mission. Think about what Romans 13 says. Romans 13 said that all authority has been given by God. Those who hold positions of authority in your life right now have authority in your life because God gave them the authority that they have. So whatever God gave them authority for, if you don't submit to it, you will be off mission. Submission, getting under their mission, always puts us on God's mission. But there are some of y'all that are going, but God. But God, you know my husband. I mean, that joker can't even tie his shoes without my help. But God, you know my boss. You know my boss. 
God, you know how bad this guy is. But God, but God, I can't. Because God, God, who's going to, if I really submit to you and I start to live reverentially and humbly trying to build the kingdom of God, who's going to notice all the good things I do? God, where am I going to get any kind of attention and authority and influence? Where's it going to come from? God, where am I going to get that stuff that I know I need? So I think that some of us look at submission and we think, if I submit, I'm going to lose it all. But look at this very important promise in Matthew 6. Jesus speaking here. Your heavenly Father already knows all that you need. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. That's a promise for some of y'all today. To know that if you'll sell out to getting under the authority of God, submitting yourselves to the authorities that are in your life, if you will sell out to that, God knows what you need. And whatever mission he's put you on, he already has whatever you need to do it. So let's spend the next few minutes talking about what does it really mean to get under mission? What does it really mean to get under mission? The first thing, this is so important. I'm hoping that through the context of this message, we can repaint the way that we think about submission. This is number one. Submission is an important component of God's freedom. Submission is an important component of God's freedom. See, I think that we need to really step back and try to understand authority. I, I talked about this last week, but let me just revisit it for a moment. That God gives authority, but always connected to authority is responsibility. Always. Authority and responsibility go hand in hand. There is not one without the other. We see this really simply in our kids' lives as we're parents. All right? We have the authority to tell them yes or no. We have the authority to tell them what to do. But we have the responsibility to provide and care for them. Do you get what I'm saying? Those two things go hand in hand. If you're a boss, you have the authority to run your business, but you have the responsibility to take care of your employees. But when God gives authority... What happens when we submit and we become under somebody else is that they take a portion of that authority and give it to us. That's what happens when you get hired out of business. And you get to take, oh, I have this responsibility now because the person who has all the authority has given me this portion of authority. Those two things go hand in hand. And it is a freeing thing to know where your authority ends and where someone else's starts. It is a freeing thing because there are some of you that throughout your life you have wrestled to try to take the authority from another person. You have wrestled to try to assume authority over a situation of which you have no authority in. This happens often in the workplace. Where somebody with great intentions tries to assume authority over an area that they have no authority in. It also happens with parents, especially as their kids get older in their 20s and 30s. Where parents try to take authority over their kids' lives when they don't have authority anymore. And they try to be responsible for something. I want you to see what happens when we try to assume responsibility. With, when we try to take responsibility for something that we do not have authority over, it only leads to bondage. It only leads to bondage. 
you will be enslaved to the very good thing that you are trying to do. It will not lead to freedom. But I tell you what will lead to freedom. What will lead to freedom is knowing where you have authority and where you don't. Knowing where you need to have and be responsible and where you don't. That will lead to freedom. I can tell you, I was on staff in South Carolina for eight years where I was the number two guy in a, in a large church. I got to be the person who made a lot of calls, but the call didn't end with me. I had a lead pastor who served under. When we had bad weather, it was so easy when he said, we ain't going to have church. I just said, yeah, we're going to stay home and sleep in. All right, it was awesome. But this past February, I had to make that call because now I'm the guy at the top of the totem pole. And I can tell you that the responsibility of that call weighed on me. Because on one hand, almost every Sunday, there's somebody that God lined up to come here, and they're going to meet Jesus. And if I make the call to cancel church, I'm also making the call that they don't get to be in church. But on the other hand, I have to be concerned about our people's well-being and our volunteers that have to get here so early. And I made the call to cancel it. But if you were around and you were with me, you knew it was with a lot of weight because I felt that responsibility. You see, when you understand that somebody over you has responsibility and authority that you don't, it gives you the freedom to step back and go, amen. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. I'm under you on mission. And it is a freeing thing. The second thing that I want you to see today about submission is submission puts us under and on mission. I'm going to remind you of something that Romans 13 says, that the authority that is represented in the people's lives that have authority in your life, it all came from God. It all came from God. And Romans 13 clearly says that if we rebel against that authority, even in our hearts, y'all, we're rebelling against what God has instituted, and He, out of that, will oppose us. You see, I'm going to spend some time next week talking about this, but it's really important. That God will use the weaknesses and strengths of the people who have authority in our life to advance His kingdom in our lives. He will use their weaknesses and strengths. See, think about this with me. How many of y'all know that we live in a world where we look at our politicians and we just, man, we just wish things were better, right? In election years, we look around and we see that, right? You don't have to look too far down your Facebook feed to find somebody who doesn't like so-and-so, right? Right? But see, Romans 13 gives us a great promise. Whoever gets elected is whoever God wanted to get elected. Whoever. We can take confidence in that. And whoever is there right now is the person that God wanted to be there right now. That's why when I hear people say, that's not my president, I just want to go, you ever read Romans chapter 13? Have you read that? That's not me. That's, that's the Lord speaking. Have you read that? Because right now what you're saying is that I don't, I'm rejecting something that God's done. I mean, this is not always an easy thing. As a matter of fact, there's some wives in here right now. And you have lived through some difficult seasons with your husbands. 
And you know that the Bible says I'm supposed to submit, I'm supposed to give them my heart, I'm supposed to love them, all these kind of things. But you're just going, but Kevin, you don't understand. You don't understand how bad it is. I want you to see number three. That submission aligns us to God's will and connects us to victory. Submission aligns us to God's will, and then because it does that, it connects us to victory. I want you to see this today. Let's just go back to the president. What if all the believers in our country, every single believer, every time they saw something was going on, and they had that feeling inside, things aren't right. This is not the way it should be. What if, instead of complaining or putting something on Facebook, we all fell to our knees and we started to pray for our country and to pray for our leaders and to pray that God would get a hold of their hearts and lead them. And God, What would happen? I can tell you what would happen. It'd be different right now. And number two, if you're that wife that's here and you're saying, hey, you know, Kevin, I know that the Bible says to submit, to get under that, but I just can't. I'm struggling with it. I just don't know how. He's not a believer. He's not following Jesus. I just can't. I, I'm, I've got to continue to push back. I can't be. Su- the Bible has something for you. First Peter 3, verses 1, 2. Look at this. Wives, you must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. And look at this promise. They will be won over by the observing of your pure and reverent lives. I want you to understand today that we have got to get under what God put over us. Right now, there are many of us that are in the room that we've been saying, God, God, I would, I would, I would follow you financially, but... I don't have enough money. I mean, God, God, I would forgive my, my friend that hurt me, but you have no idea, God, how bad it hurt. God, I, I, I would try harder with my spouse to, to really kind of invest in our family and our relationship. But and some of you are saying, but, but I've got to work so much, God. I can't be with my family or even make time for, for being at church. God, God I, I just want you to see today that there's no way for you to get over what God put under you until you get under what God has already put over you. When you do that, when you are willing to submit to ultimately God's authority, God will connect you to his will for your life and lead you into victory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We love you. God, what a powerful, powerful day. God, it is such a Difficult thing to talk about things like submission and honor. God, especially in a world where we get to see the underside and the difficulty that comes with our leaders so much more clearly than maybe the past had. And God, I I know that some of us are in some difficult situations today. Some painful situations. And at home and in our businesses and God, and as we parent our kids, we, we've struggled. There are things that we know we're supposed to be living with victory in, but, but we're not living with victory. And really, if we're honest, the truth is right now, we're not really living under your authority either. We're not under the umbrella to get over the things that you have put under us. And so today, God, Lord, I know that your heart is broken for us.
And I know that right now in this moment, you want to heal some lives. And God, I'm praying that right now your Holy Spirit just to be powerful in this room. That there are some people here right now, God, that need to fully submit their lives to you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask you that question right now. Have you been running from fully submitting your life to him? Saying, God, everything, all of me is yours. I'm going to get under what you have put over me, God. Some of y'all have been running from that. And right now, right now is the moment that that's going to change. So if you're here and you just want to say to God, God, I'm tired of running. I'm going to give it all to you. Raise your hand if that's you right now. God, I'm tired of running. I'm going to give it all to you. Who else? Who else is here? I saw those hands. I see that hand. Amen. Now I'm going to ask another question, and I want you to be really honest with yourself. Maybe you're here today, and you've struggled with getting under the things that you know that God has put over you right now. You've struggled because you've pushed back against that authority. And right now, the power of God is here, and you feel convicted, and you just want to say, God, God, I know that I need to, I need to let go of that control. I'm going to trust you. Raise your hand if that's you right now. Awesome. So, God, we just come before you, and we thank you. God, we thank you that you are a good and loving and merciful God. But, God, we also thank you that you are a God that fights for us, that you fight the battle. God, today, for many of us, God, there's a battle going on. You've promised us victory. And so, God, by your grace and mercy and love, God, we're just going to put our faith in you. We're going to rest in you. And we're going to let you fight the battle for us because we believe that the victory only comes from you. So, God, we're going to get under what you have put over us so that we can get over what you've put under us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.